0: Psalmist said, I will give thanks with all of my heart, and I will sing your praise before the heavenly beings. I will bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your constant love and truth, constant, not periodic, not occasional, not now and then, constant love and truth. You have exalted your name and your promise above everything else. On the day I called, you answered me. You increased strength within me. Amen. That's the psalmist. That's Psalm 138. That's what we believe. And I am just so delighted. There's no place else I'd rather be than with God's people in the presence of God, because of Jesus Christ. And so, all this in heaven too. Amen? Welcome to Windsor Road. So grateful to have you here with us this morning in person and online. And I just pray that that you would know the name of Jesus and that you would experience His love and that you would feel the Spirit's presence in this place whether you're here in person or online we want you to know the only God the only God Jesus Christ our Lord welcome to the church family here um, if you are feeling new here at the church uh, we have a place especially for you uh, uh, through these glass doors and to the right is a place called the fireside room and. Uh, we're going to be there after services and we'd love to have a little bit of face time with you and pray with you and uh, get the opportunity to meet you and just hear hear uh, your story we would love that and uh, and also we just want to create as many opportunities uh, and to avail uh, invite you to avail avail yourself of these opportunities to just get connected to the church family and that's a uh, we can share some of those places at the Fireside Room, but but one thing uh, is Wednesday night, beginning Wednesday night, we've got some insight classes that will be happening, and we would love it if you could be a part of that from 6.30 to 8. We've got programming for our uh, students, uh, and uh, we've got three particular classes that are going to be taking place from 6.30 until 8, Encountering God for Adult Women. It's a course on Um, Spiritual Disciplines. We have Financial Peace University, which will be happening for um, uh, uh, both men and women. And then I'll be teaching a class on uh, how to read the Bible for all it's worth. So it's about uh, biblical interpretation, how to understand and read the Bible. And so I just want, if you're looking for a place, how can I quickly get connected with the church family? There are three very, uh, you can sign up, just sign up or show up. Okay, uh, we would just love it to have you here, and uh, anyway, I want you to know that. Um, let's pray the Lord's Prayer, and then we'll enter to our teaching time as a part of our worship service. Hmm. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. and Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. The church said, amen. Amen. Hmm. One small step One Small Step is a program that pairs strangers from different backgrounds, and particularly different political backgrounds. You could say adversarial backgrounds. But One Small Step is a program that pairs strangers for a 50-minute conversation about one another's lives, and the only thing that they can't talk about is politics. But as a part of this 50-minute conversation, uh, each participant shares or reads aloud the other person's biography, and then they proceed to talk about their commonalities that which they share, the similar life experiences that they've had, and it's a very powerful experience. Uh, A thousand of these conversations have taken place, and there's a waiting list for 6,000 people to participate in this program called One Small Step, and what the researchers have learned is that when you put two individuals in the same room and they have different adversarial political backgrounds, and yet there are some very specific constraints to their conversation, this is a powerful, emotional, visceral experience that occurs with one another. And the result is that the hate melts away. And they begin to see each other in a new way. It's a a very powerful program, one small step. In his book, Strength to Love, Martin Luther King wrote, in a real sense, All life is interrelated. All men are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. And I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be, and you can never be what you ought to be until I am what I ought to be. And this is the interrelated structure of reality. And when I think about that quote by Dr. King, and when I think about that uh, uh, program called One Small Step, uh, you know, I'm convicted that we need each other to be what God wants us to be. This very image of this Marlboro man this individualistic loner, is really just an American myth. It's fiction. What we need is a community of interconnectedness where we depend upon one another and humble enough to admit that we need one another. And and so Dr. King's words take me to a passage of Scripture on the topic of, Redemptive kingdom diversity. I want you to say that with me. Redemptive kingdom diversity. One more time. Redemptive kingdom diversity. If you have your Bibles, I would like for you to meet me in the New Testament book of Acts, chapter 10. And I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 16 although we will be discussing the entire chapter this morning. And this passage of Scripture, Luke, who is the author of Acts, who also gave us the Gospel of Luke. So Luke, the Gospel, is Volume 1, and the book of Acts is Volume 2. And this passage in Acts 10 showcases two individuals from two different backgrounds, two different ethnicities, two different occupations. But each was put in a situation where they needed one another to understand God's will for them both. And what we're going to learn by these verses is if when you are open and receptive to the will of God, and when you are open... And receptive to someone who's not like you and when you're obedient to that which you do not fully understand when those things happen you avail yourself to possibilities which would not be otherwise and I want you to see that as we look at these verses in Acts chapter 10 verses 1 through 16 I'll just say this if you're here and you're new this morning and you're curious about the vision of this church and what you believe and what your values are, well, you've come on the right Sunday because I don't have anything fresh and innovative. What I have is 2,000 years old. I've come to believe that uh, if it's new, it's probably not true. But if it's true, it's not going to be new. Okay, So this is where we're going here this morning. You say, what's happening? Where's this church going? Listen up! And let's see what God does. Acts chapter 10 says, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God, with all his household, gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, that's 3 p.m., he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, and he stared at him in terror. That's Cornelius doing the staring in terror, not the angel. He said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour at noon. He went up there to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. And he saw the heavens opened. And something like a great sheet descending. Being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord. I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. And the thing was taken up at once to heaven. This is God's Word. I did not expect to read verse 2 after reading verse 1. I mean, think about it. Caesarea, Caesarea, Caesarea Maritima. Oh, you can go there today in Israel. It's, wow, it's just incredible. I mean, it was a major city in Israel 2,000 years ago. It was a Roman city. <laughs> I mean, there was a military outpost of 3,000 Roman soldiers consisting of six cohorts. Each cohort had 500, and then that was divided down further into 100. And uh, Cornelius was a centurion. He was in charge of one of those Hundred, group of hundred soldiers. And Caesarea, it was a fascinating city. It, it had aqueducts uh, that pumped water in. I mean, it was just very sophisticated. And as you can see on this uh, recreation, uh, the ships would come in on the upper left hand corner and they would come into this harbor and then. Uh, They'd go right up into the temple to, to worship the emperor Augustus. And you could see a um, Roman theater, an amphitheater. You can still see part of that amphitheater today. And there was a hippodrome, which was an athletic field. I mean, it was a fancy first century city. And Cornelius was a respected Roman officer battle-tested. He was affluent from his time in the military. If you happen to survive the military experience in the Roman Empire, you could do rather well. He And he did rather well. He He's a picture book, textbook portrait of success. And all the material possessions he could ever want and Privileged life in a remarkable city, part of a world empire, and yet there was something missing in his life. He saw the shallowness of Roman religion. Oh, the buildings were fancy, but they were a shell. Emperor worship. you didn't really believe that Augustus Caesar was divine or any of the other Caesars. There's got to be more to life than this. And he went on a search. And he found what he was looking for in the Hebrew scriptures. The very Hebrew scriptures, very Old Testament that you have. Major life questions were answered. Questions like Who is God? Who am I? Where did I come from? Why am I here? where are we going and where am i in all of this what's the fix these big sky questions led this honest seeker and cornelius was an honest seeker led him to moses and that's why we read what we read in verse 2 that he was a devout man a pious man he feared god he prayed regularly he lived piously he gave generously he participated actively in the Hebrew community there at Caesarea Maritima. And yet, yet he could only go so far because he was Roman. He, he was, one scholar says, as Jewish as a Gentile could be without ceasing uh, to be Jewish. And though he belonged to a world empire, he wanted a better empire. He wasn't sure what he was looking for. He wanted help. And he was seeking. And that's why he's praying at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Because that's what Hebrews did. So he's seeking God. And this was just his rhythm. This was just his routine. This, This fierce warrior of Rome was seeking Yahweh. And guess what? God responded. That's verse 3. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come into him and say to him, Cornelius. So, So this fierce warrior of Rome became a terrified recipient of a divine vision. You ever wonder whether God hears the prayers of spiritual seekers? Well, what does your Bible say here? It says that God's been paying attention to his life. And this angel talks to Cornelius like he was the Virgin Mary. Greetings, you who are highly favored. I mean, that's the tone here. That's what's going on. Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial. As a memorial to God. What is that? That's Leviticus chapter 2 talk. That's what that is. In Leviticus chapter 2 we hear about memorial portions of sacrifice to the Lord which the Hebrews gave. And what the angel is trying to tell Cornelius is that I have received your prayers. As a memorial portion. Because you and I both know that to obey is better than sacrifice. And that's what we see here in this interaction with Cornelius. The angel wanted Cornelius to know that he mattered to God. He matters. And in a very short amount of time, something very special is going to happen to Cornelius. This this angel has come, I bring you good news of great joy. God has witnessed your devotion. He's pleased. Here is the word of the Lord for you, Cornelius. Can you feel the anticipation? What is it that God is going to tell me? What's going to happen? And the words of the angel to Cornelius are, go get Peter. Come again? Go get Peter. That's, what, that's, that's it, right? Yeah, but what? That's all I got for you right now. Go get Peter. Joppa, Simon the Tanner's house, Simon Barjona called Peter. Go go, go see him. Bye. What's that? Well, you got to keep reading, right? The story goes on. Well, Joppa, let's talk about Joppa for a moment. 30 miles from where that happened along the Mediterranean coast. <laughs> These nice seaside scripture passages. Need to hear that in January, right? <laughs> Simon Peter staying with Simon the tanner. Now, Simon the tanner is Jewish, but, but he's a marginalized Jew. And why? Well, because he's a tanner. What's a tanner? A tanner handles animal hides, which means that it's it's one of those um, it's one of those dirty jobs. It's just a dirty job. You got to take the hide off the animal and you've got to prepare it uh, for its use. And that means he's touching uh, skins from animal corpses and to the most fastidious he's just perpetually, ceremonially unclean. But Peter is, is there. Huh. And he's in Joppa because he's been preaching. That's why he's there. He's been performing signs and wonders. You can read about that from chapter 9 verses 32 on. Why well, he healed a bedridden Aeneas. He said, rise! And Aeneas got up. And then he's in Joppa because of a major miracle of re- restoring life to a disciple named Tabitha. He said to her, Rise! and she'd been, She had been long dead. And he said, Rise! And she got up. And everybody was talking about this. So Peter is in town. He's there in Joppa. He's staying with Simon the Tanner. He's been performing signs and wonders. And it's lunchtime. And so Peter goes upstairs outside Simon's house and on the roof. So back then, it wouldn't be indoor staircases. There's something outdoors. And he's going up these staircases that are an outdoor. It's an outdoor patio. Why up there? Well, because that's where the airflow is better. It's flat. It's noon. He's hungry. He's waiting for lunch. He's kind of getting drowsy. Life seemed to slow down. Not here. Peter falls into a trance, and he sees the most bizarre vision. Do you see it there in verse 11? Peter saw... Heaven opened and a large sheet descended from heaven. And in that sheet, the, the, held up by four corners, it was swarms of animals, four footed animals, reptiles, creatures, birds of the air, all lumped into one sheet. And all of them were unclean, unclean animals. Now, let me talk about that for just a minute so you understand how important this vision is. Because you see, this is. This is no culinary preference thing. Eating to the Hebrew people was not the same as fueling. Eating is incorporation. So to eat is to become one body with what we eat and with our table companions. So what we put in our bodies becomes one with us and our Table companions become members of a corporate body, you see. And so the Hebrew law limited Israel's diet to only few of the animals that the pagan nations surrounding them ate as a reminder that Israel was to remain holy and distinct and separate and that would affect their buying habits in the marketplaces. And these dietary laws were national markers as intensely and as emotionally felt to citizens of Israel as like the American flag is to Americans. Dietary laws were identity markers anchored deeply in the Hebrew soul. That's all Peter's known. But then Peter hears Jesus say something he would never have expected Jesus to say, rise, Peter, kill and eat. So the Peter who said to Aeneas, who was a paralytic, rise, is the Peter who said to Tabitha, rise from the dead. This Peter is the one now told by Jesus, rise. Kill and eat. Well, what was that? Was this a test? This is a test, isn't it? You're testing me. You're tempting me, huh? How could, I mean, how, how could something that has been declared, and in Scripture, how could that which has been declared unclean suddenly then be clean? Verse 14 says, he says, by no means, Lord. I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the implication is not I'm not about to start. Not the first time Peter's talked back to Jesus. (laughs) Right? And then he hears the voice. Verse 15, you hear it? You hear it? What God has made clean, do not call common. And this happened three times. Three times. (laughs) And then vanished. Man, talk about a head-scratcher. It's just, he really, he just doesn't, he didn't, he didn't understand. I don't get this. I don't understand, Lord. Scripture says he was, he was, verse 17, inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean. Just didn't get it. He didn't know. In fact, he was, so, he was just so confused by it. He didn't understand it. He, and he was so absorbed by this vision, and he didn't even hear the doorbell ring right right Uh, he didn't even know he didn't even realize people were calling out for his name huh he didn't realize that but you know who these folks are you already know because they've come from Caesarea and 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 the crew which Cornelius had sent from Caesarea had arrived in Joppa and they were searching for Peter and when they came to Simon the Tanner's house, they're at this gate calling out. for. And finally, you know, Peter's just, he's still, he's so perplexed. And the Holy Spirit's like, he just <laughs> nudges him. Hey, you got some guests. Rise. Go down and without hesitation and see these guests. And it said, for I have sent them. I have sent them. You see that? You see what's going on here, church family? Think about it. Think about this vision. The four corners of the sheet. What's that? That, That's the four corners of the earth. North, south, east, and west. And inside the sheet are swarms of animals. Animals which represent people. Samaritan people. Ethiopian people. Roman people. Unkosher people. In the Hebrew psyche. All the nations of the earth, all humanity wrapped into one sheet. Peter saw what was in that sheet, and he refused any part of it. And Peter was about to learn that the vision wasn't about food. It was about people. People were in that sheet, some of whom were open to the gospel. But Peter's response was, surely not, Lord. Can you imagine if his attitude had spread throughout the church? Large portions of the world, including us, would never know about Jesus. What I'm trying to tell you is that Cornelius is low-hanging fruit. He's just waiting for someone to open their mouth and speak the gospel. Who will that be? Is there someone in your life right now? I mean, when you, if you really pause to think about it, they're low-hanging fruit. If you just showed up and shared the story of Jesus, you would be hearing a confession of faith and you'd be sloshing about in the baptistry. I wonder who that person is in your life. Well, Peter, I mean, it's noon, and he's hungry, and... He wants to take a nap. He's yawning. It's not that he's been doing nothing. I mean, he's been, you know, he's healed the bedridden and he's raised the dead. And yet, and yet, and yet, and yet, and yet, and yet, Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will receive power in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit has come. Get up, Peter! Get off the roof! Rise! Let's go! Pick up the pace, Pete! King Jesus is on the move! The Samaritans are converting. The Ethiopians are converting. Saul of Tarsus has converted. Cornelius is low-hanging fruit. Peter's up on the roof! Get off the roof, man! Let's go! Keep up with us! Keep up with me! This is the Acts of the Apostles. Now, this is the Acts of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, come on, stay with the group, Pete. You know what what he reminds me of? You know what he reminds me of? Think of his name. His Aramaic name. Simon Bar what? Jonah. Jonah. Reminds me of Jonah. He does. Peter's Aramaic name reminds us of the Hebrew prophet Jonah. and I don't think that's a coincidence. As God commissioned Jonah to preach to non-Jews in Nineveh, God commissioned Peter to witness beyond Jerusalem to the ends of the earth to a non-Jewish soldier of Rome. As Jonah was slow to receive God's call at Joppa, Jonah at Joppa, to preach to non-Jewish Ninevites, Peter was slow to leave Joppa to preach to a non-Jewish Cornelius, huh? And as God intervened in Jonah's life with a threefold sign, 3 days in the belly of a whale. So God intervened in Peter's life with a threefold sign, heavenly sheep with animals. Who? You get it? Luke's point is that Jonah's God is Peter's God. God wants to redeem repentant non-Jews, even though his own messengers were slow and wanted to restrict true Israel by race. But in Acts chapter 10, God's vision for his church, the new Israel, consists of Gentiles who are on equal footing with the Jews. So, God, get this, revealed his plan to Peter and Cornelius via visions. But notice, did you see? It's only a partial vision. A Hebrew Peter needs a Gentile Cornelius to figure out the vision. And a Gentile, Cornelius, needs a Hebrew, Peter, to preach the gospel. You know that angel. You know that angel could have preached the gospel to Cornelius up there in Caesarea, Maritima. You know that. But that angel didn't do that. You know why? Because it's not the angel's job to preach the gospel. It's the people's job to preach the gospel. We have been entrusted with the message of salvation to share to the nations. That is our privilege. If you will help me, I won't have to work so hard, folks. So these two, from radically racially different worlds, they need one another. God's vision becomes crystal clear when different ethnicities come together in the name of Christ. But if Peter stays up there on that roof, He's never going to figure out what that vision from heaven meant. And if Cornelius doesn't send for Peter, he may never be as receptive to hearing the gospel. And and neither will grasp God's complete will without the other. So Cornelius sends delegates... And Peter descends from the roof. Huh, Peter? T- tell me why you've come. And they tell their story. They tell their story. And then verse 23 says, I love this verse. So he invited them in to be his guest. And think about it. So you've got a Jewish uh, apostle, you've got Gentile guests in the in a in a tanner's home (laughs) that's that's a church service waiting to happen don't you think oh man and two days later they arrive in Caesarea and verse 25 says that Peter crossed the threshold he entered into the home of Cornelius and he I'll tell you where the church service was. The church service was up in Caesarea because he walked into a packed house. Cornelius, this Roman centurion who represents a world power now dominating and oppressing Israel, this Cornelius falls at Peter's feet before them all. Think about that. And, and, And Peter refuses to let Cornelius treat him like a god. He says, no, get up, get up. And, and, and Peter, so, so <laughs> Peter refuses to let Cornelius treat him like a god, and, then, and Peter refuses to treat Gentile Cornelius like a dog. And verse 27 says, I love this verse, see it? And as he talked with him, and as he talked with him, Listen to me, if you have ever dismissed the importance of small talk, I hope this verse changes your mind, because small talk breaks the ice, small, it's not shallow or superficial, it's just, it's just, it's a, it's part of a courtship. It's part of a relationship. It's etiquette. Oh, oh, Mrs. Cornelius, I'm so pleased to meet you. And Oh, and who is this? Is Cornelius Jr. How are you, young man? Are you eight? Oh, no, you're seven. Well, you look eight to me. My goodness. How about a fist bump? You, you have a lovely family. Small talk. Small talk. All his life, Peter's world told him that the homes of the Gentile were unclean. But the gospel is greater than our culture. It's greater than our sin. And this reality released Peter as it releases us to reach out in warmth and friendship. Small talk too has its place in the ministry of the gospel. And Peter's beginning to get this. Look at verse 28. God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So Peter's been wrong, and God corrected him. And when I read that verse, I think of two questions that we need to consider. Question number one, what are things about another person that I could be mistaken about? Hmm? And question number two, what motivates others to think differently than I do? Am Am I humble enough to ask those two questions and then just sit and listen and take in and receive? But Peter wouldn't have done that had he stayed on the roof. So he says in verse 29, so you know I've come and I've heard your story and I was asked, I was sent for. I have come without objection. To Tell me why I'm here. Tell me why I'm here. And, and, and that's when Cornelius shares his own vision from his mouth well i was just told to go get you and now you're here and so we've all gathered to hear whatever it is the lord has commanded you to speak and i'm right then oh now i know why i'm here and verse 34 says peter opened his mouth i get it and what followed was a sermon a gospel sermon the same sermon that peter preached in acts chapter 2 at pentecost the same sermon that peter preached to the paralytic outside of the temple in jerusalem in acts chapter 3 the same sermon that peter preached to the priests who had told him to be quiet in Acts chapters 4 and 5. We cannot stop talking about what we've seen and heard. And the same sermon Peter preached in Samaria to Simon the sorcerer. The same sermon. God, people, Jesus, believe. That's the sermon he preached. God created this world a beautiful and perfect place. It was good. It was very good. But then people broke it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Racism is a sin issue. Racism is birthed out of the idol of pride. Racism profanes the image of God. And as a result, this world is broken. And we cannot fix it by ourselves, church. And we seek solutions, political solutions, educational solutions, but they are partial solutions. They don't work. And why? Because the complete solution needs to come from heaven. And the solution came. God put on flesh. God the Father anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. And this Jesus healed and he taught and he performed signs and wonders. And Peter said, we're witnesses of this. We saw this. I saw this. And then Peter said, you did too. You saw this, and you saw what happened to him. You know what happened to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism about John proclaimed, My goodness, evil people crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. And this risen king has now commanded us to proclaim that he alone is the judge of the universe, of the living and of the dead. He alone is the Lord of all, all ethnicities, all tribes, all nations. Jesus is the world's true Caesar. And everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins, no matter what those sins are, through his name. And as Peter was inhaling to preach some more, suddenly the Holy Spirit just cut him off. I mean, he didn't even get a chance to land the plane. The Holy Spirit took control and interrupted his sermon and fell on them all as in Pentecost, even on the Gentiles. And as he was still saying these things, verse 44, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised had come. And Peter was amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And and Peter, Peter said, they've been immersed in the Holy Spirit How can we withhold immersion in water? And verse 48 said, He commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh man, that was a sermon. What's what's Peter doing here? Okay, we get what he's saying, but what's he doing here? Well, remember in Matthew 16, 19. Matthew 16, 19. Jesus said to Peter, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What do keys do? They open doors. They unlock doors. That's right. That's right. And that's what Peter's doing here. He's opening a door here. Peter's job, listen, listen to me. Peter's job is to unlock the door that Jesus tells him to unlock. His job is not to determine which doors ought to be unlocked. Do you hear that? Jesus says, you open that door, or you close that door. And that's Peter's job. And it is no accident that the conversion of Cornelius follows the conversion of Saul. Saul was Jewish. Cornelius was Gentile. Saul was a scholar. Cornelius was a soldier. Saul was a a zealot. Cornelius was a seeker. Both were converted at the initiative of God. Both. Both received the forgiveness of sin. Both took in the gift of the Spirit. Both were baptized. Both were welcomed to the church on equal terms. And why? Because the gospel is the power of God to all who believe. And the inclusions of the nations as the people of God, this is not the work of any man. Even if they are apostles, it is the work of Almighty God. And beloved, listen to me. That's why This account gets repeated four times in Acts 10 and 11. Look at it. Four times. That's why the account is 66 verses long. Theophilus, the beloved of God, who is the recipient of the Luke Acts volumes, this Theophilus is an elite Roman Christian. Theophilus, do you really believe your name? that you are loved of God, Theophilus, loved of God. Do you really know that you matter to God? Your first priority, Theophilus, is reconciliation with God. And if you are reconciliated with God, and I am reconciliated with God, then we are one. One church, one family, one body, one community. And just as Peter needed Cornelius to clarify God's vision in his life, we need one another's experiences and backgrounds and prayers we need redemptive kingdom diversity peter can never be what he ought to be without a cornelius in his life and cornelius can never be what he's supposed to be without a peter in his life and that's this is what's driving windsor road christian church to be as diverse as our community and people say well that's uncomfortable Clearly it is by these verses. God has to say to Peter, get off the roof, man. Get uncomfortable. Someone said, when you travel, remember that a foreign country is not designed to make you feel comfortable. It is designed to make its own people comfortable. Well, biblical Christianity teaches us that we are strangers And sojourners on this earth, our citizenship is in heaven. So we are an an embassy of heaven. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so to cling to the cross in a polarized world, that takes courageous acts of faith. Criticism, yeah. Look at chapter 11, verse 3. Peter was criticized for what happened in Acts chapter 10. He was criticized for his experience with Cornelius. He didn't get defensive. He just simply said, look, this is what I experienced. This is the story of what happened. And he concluded in Acts chapter 11, verse 17, he said, look, this is what happened if then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, Who was I that I could stand in God's way? And now you know why I pray that annoying prayer at the beginning of my sermons. God, get me out of the way so that what you once said gets said. There it is right there. Now you know. Our job is to get out of the way so that God can have his way. Amen. Who are you in this story? Who are you in this story? Are you like Peter? Are you like Peter? Well, here's, some, here's, here's the take home here. Go back to 10.23. He invited them in to be his guests. And then go on to 10.27. And as he talked with him. And then look at 10.48. Then they ask him to remain for some day you Peter you see this is not just about learning theology It's not just saying well I happen to go to the same church it's not just about having religious discussions it's about doing life and Peter's fishing life is going to learn about Cornelius's military life and vice versa and later on in 1st Thessalonians we'll hear the Apostle Paul say to Gentile Thessalonians we love you so much that we were delighted not only to share the gospel with you, but our lives because you have become so dear to us. I'm telling you, when you invite someone who's got a different life story, different life background, different vocational background, family background, educational background, socioeconomic background, ethnic background, faith background, you, you avail yourselves more and more of God's glory because you're created in the image of God. What what can I learn and appreciate about this fellow image-bearer? Moreover, if that person happens to be in Christ, oh, then it's even deeper and richer because the Holy Spirit that is in them is the Holy Spirit that's in you. That's why this passage is about divine promptings given to receptive people. This passage is about the willingness to obey even when you don't fully understand. This passage is about being open to others who are not like you. It's about a mutual sharing of experiences you've had with God, and in the sharing and the sifting of those experiences, we can discover truth in Christ. Everything in our text conspires against maintaining a wall between ourselves and others who are not like us. Yes, yes, yes. It may feel awkward and uncomfortable, but that's life in Christ. But in order, in order to work through that, huh, here's what you got to do. Are you Peter? you got to get off the roof. you got to get off the roof. Are you like Cornelius? Some of you are Cornelius here. And you're ripe for the gospel. You've, you've heard God's truth. You've, you've heard the gospel say that there is salvation in no one else but Jesus Christ.